Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, welcome to Wellspring Solutions, podcast on integrating body, soul, and spirit into understanding counseling concepts. My name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Reading. And this is my co-host, co-host, Kate Byler. Kate, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, yeah, my name is Kate. I also work at Wellspring Solutions. I have a master's in um, community trauma and counseling. So I just focus a lot more my schooling was focusing a lot more on the trauma as- aspect of things but um kind of do the same thing here Sharon see clients do some groups and um working towards my licensure so today we just want to talk about um shame how it's most people's largest enemy in their life mm-hmm. it slows them down it bogs them up they can't move forward in a lot of areas of life and we want to just talk about shame and the different aspects of shame because it's a huge topic in the counseling room. Yeah, and everyone is affected by it. I don't know if there's one person not affected by shame. It's true. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> they don't really have any personal shame yeah. or self <laughs> self soothing thing going yeah, on there. Or feel but. bad for things. <laughs> But besides that population, (laughs) (laughs) which isn't going to be in counseling. Right. Um, Yeah. So I think one of the things that we deal with a lot is people having shame based on belief systems that were created in their childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the belief system is I'm bad if I'm not perfect. I'm bad if I make mistakes, you know, um, so it's so important for how we parent Mm -hmm. because we're putting messages into our children that will stay with them long into life. Right. Or sometimes um, I think like kids feel guilty, but then guilt turns into shame. So like if they do something bad or feel like they're burned, I see a lot of high schoolers and middle schoolers that are afraid to tell their parents how they feel because they're afraid they're going to burden them. And then they feel ashamed that they're another problem, quote unquote, in the household. Right. So much of it has to do with how parents talk about difficult things. Mm -hmm. Um, If they get really upset, um, if they use negative terms, with the child, the child slowly becomes to believe that they are a burden. They can't tell their parents hard things. And so then shame just builds up inside of them. Um, or we could have people who have had very traumatic events happen to them. Right, exactly. Um, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal, emotional abuse. All of those abuses, because they are done usually by someone who is. Um, an authority figure in their life Mm -hmm. or someone that they have a a positive connection in addition to an abusive connection, those what we call trauma bonds, which is both positive and negative mixed together, Mm -hmm. those trauma bonds create um, a weird dynamic in that 
we often have people feeling guilty and shameful for other people's behaviors. Right, or feeling like they need to take care of it, or or they feel like it's their fault that something bad happened to them, and then they feel ashamed. Right. Um, we've hear, we hear that sometimes people who have been sexually abused. Yeah. You're just too seductive. What? Mm-hmm. The kid is five. Right. That's not even a thing. Right. Um, or a kid saying that had been sexually abused. Oh, I should have run away. Like, right. how would you know what to do as a child? I should have said something. Right. I should have done something. How? Mm-hmm. We, you wouldn't have known. Right. I mean, when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. But when you're a child, you just are completely dependent on other people empowering you to mm-hmm. do what you need to do. So, Especially if they're the adults in your life here that are supposed to take care of you. Right. Um, we also see a lot of shame in the area of any type of like religious background. Yeah. <laughs> because there's just a um, shame, uh, sin. Mm-hmm. Sin is bad. And so good behavior is good. Mm-hmm. So if you do something uh, sinful, you are shameful, mm-hmm. which isn't true. Right. But it is the belief system of a lot of people who have been raised in a religious setting. Right. And being a part of a religious community. And we use the word religious more so because it usually comes with the stigma of um, being harsh or a little judgmental. And so needing to do good. And then when you don't, creates a lot of shame. No, granted, there are people who are who are very spiritual individuals yes. who mm-hmm. are not religious in, individuals. Right. So let's just have that clarity there Mm -hmm. just because we're talking about religion doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we think that all people are that way. Right. Um, But we can, we we can add that element into understanding how do these beliefs form in Mm -hmm. someone's life? Right. Trauma, childhood beliefs, parenting, abuse, religious systems, all of these factors can feed into the shame levels that a person has. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about um, shame according to um, something that we just were talking about recently, which was from uh, National Institute for Clinical Application of Behavioral Medicine. (laughs) I can't even say it. Nickabomb. (laughs) I don't know how they shorted. I don't don't know. They tried. Nicholas Nickleby. Nickabomb. Whatever. So, Kate, why don't you introduce that if you can? Um, Yeah, so it's kind of a a diagram, and maybe when we post this on our blog, we can post this diagram with the podcast. Yeah. Um, But a lot of diagrams in psychology come in triangles, you'll find out. But this one has um, three things that show us kind of what drive um, our shame or can help us even calm our shame down. And it has to do with... uh, different circles. So there's a drive system and the functioning um, for that is achieving goals, consume, accomplish tasks. So like, I guess whatever gets you to like your end goal, what, what drives you like good or bad things. And I'm guessing. Yes, definitely. I was thinking about, it's just like general motivation, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be external motivation coming from other individuals, or it could be internal motivation becomes your drive system. Right. Either which way you're moving. <laughs> right. Um, so there's that circle. There's your soothing system. So obviously that's all positive or should be. 
um, positive ways we soothe ourselves. So knowing how to slow down, knowing how to relax, knowing how to stay, to, to stay safe, um, kindness, um, just caring for yourself. So those circles we want to be very important in our lives. And we find that those are usually imbalanced. And so when they're imbalanced, our threat system, if our threat system is the largest circle, that means like if we're always on alert to seek safety, then our shame circle is pretty big. Right. So that soothing system could be imbalanced by a lot of different reasons. Maybe we just didn't have affectionate, nurturing, affirming Mm -hmm. parents. And maybe they didn't know how to do that because they didn't receive that themselves. Right. Um, So if we didn't have a lot of comfort and soothing in our childhood, that circle is going to be smaller. Exactly. Um, so it's just the ability to have received that level of nurture in our childhood. And mm-hmm. then, and then a pl- application in our adult world would be if we're upset, we would be able to self-soothe or pursue per- people who could give good soothing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then the last circle for the threat system. This usually derives a lot from our threat system derives a lot from past trauma or past experiences. So if you're a type of person that has had past trauma or past intense experiences, maybe you didn't grow up in a safe environment. Um, Maybe you've been abused in some way or like even been in a traumatic car accident. Um, you always feel like your mind or body is on hyper alert system. So someone opens the door, you're looking immediately to see who it is, or um, you feel like you have to always lock all your doors and be safe at all times. Well, that's because your brain has been trained to be on high alert after this set event, which makes sense. It's your brain trying to protect you. But a lot of the times we don't need that high level of protecting and it causes some chaos. Right. (laughs) So what could happen um, if something threatens that system, we could do one of two things. Mm -hmm. We could move into high gear Mm -hmm. and focus on task, task, task to make us not feel shameful. Mm -hmm. Or we could focus on a lot of um, soothing almost to the point of shutting down right. in a numbing kind of way. Right. So we want all of these systems to be balanced. Mm-hmm. And whenever shame is stirred up, it throws off the other two. Right. Almost like it immediately minimizes the other two circles to be really small. Um, and you probably experienced that in in your life, it doesn't have to come in big ways. You can just feel ashamed, and then all of a sudden, you start shutting down. Um, and then maybe you repeat that same behavior because of feeling ashamed. Right. And for most people who feel very shameful, they have a great difficulty receiving soothing. Yep. They don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that soothing, that, that trauma threat thing mm-hmm. is so high that they can't receive positive. They can't hear positive. They can't receive comfort. It's hard for them to be able to be soothed out of shame. Mm -hmm. So um, what we're trying to explain is we need all of three of those circles to be balanced. 
Right, because it's also important that you do have a threat system in case a threat does come around. Yes, exactly. We do want that. We want you to be able to know, oh, something's not right here. I need to leave this situation. But we don't want you to not be able to drive on the highway because your threat system is so loud that the other circles are so small. It's telling you you can't do these things and you feel scared and ashamed when you try and attempt to do these things. Right. So our warning bells, our threat system is really small when we have any kind of trauma bonding, which Mm -hmm. we just talked about a little couple minutes ago. When we have authority figures who are both good and bad in our lives, or even cousins or whoever, both good and bad, we have bonded with individuals who are both good and bad. And so it's difficult to separate when you're a child, good from bad. Mm -hmm. So we learn as children to not focus on the bad and only focus on the good. So Mm -hmm. our, our threat system, our protection system is really small. Mm. It can't identify what it needs to identify. And so what we do in here in therapy is build the threat system to a balanced amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't want it too big. Like Kate said, we want you to be able to drive on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't want it too small. Mm -hmm. We want it to be both honoring of self and honoring of others Mm -hmm. so that we can recognize when people are not healthy. Right. Um, Let's talk about the drive system. When the drive system is too big, what happens there? Oh, man. I think, uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) A little bit of a quiz. I'm thinking these people are very goals and work oriented. Yeah. And that is where they get their sense of safety, Mm -hmm. their sense of security. So if they were not able to achieve goals, they would feel shame. shame. Yeah. If they were not able to work hard, Mm -hmm. they would feel shameful. So I'll meet lots of people, particularly in our Pennsylvania Dutch culture, who cannot relax Mm -hmm. because they feel like relaxation is not worth. Yeah. It wasn't um, really taught. <laughs> it's just what happened. Yeah. Their, their parents grew up in a farming or, uh, or work community, in, and you just work these extreme hours. Mm-hmm. And so their parents didn't even have the ability to relax if they wanted to. Right. And so what that taught the next generation and then the generation after it is your worth comes from your work. If you're relaxing, you feel shameful mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel comfortable to not have that drive system in big control. Right. And usually if the drive system is big, I know with some of my high schoolers or young adults that are more so um, perfectionist. That's not really a DSM term or anything, right. but we're all familiar with that term that like when they, if you do bad on a test or, you know, you didn't get your driver's license on the first time or something, the immediate thought is, I'm stupid, I'm not good enough, this is embarrassing. And how do you how do you maintain a soothing system when you're telling yourself those things? And how then do you get back up and do it again well? So it's it becomes a cycle, too, when your drive system is an override. Right. So... Um Let's talk about some things to do. If we just understand that these are the three things in life that need to be balanced, Mm -hmm. 
that really gives us much more achievable goals. Yeah, instead of because <laughs> overwhelmed. Yeah, I think I think our society <laughs> our society creates this. You got to be doing this. You got to be eating right. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing this. And all of those things are are good, but in the end, it comes back to these three systems. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, let's talk about eating right in the threat system. Mm. <laughs> If I'm having physical problems as a result of how I eat, then my threat system and my threat system isn't going off. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be driven right. to make the change necessary. Right. Um, so again, my threat system might be low if I again grew up in any kind of an abusive situation mm-hmm. because I don't know how to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's important to remember too, that how you, how each person has perceived threat through their trauma is going to be very different. So looking at this diagram might be really helpful to just ask what circle or system is more underdeveloped. You could have the same trauma or type of trauma as someone else, but your circles might look very different. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Just depending on all different kinds of things, because right, you could be either going towards completely being driven to completely numbing out. Right. Um, Exactly. Those are the two ends of the continuum of how Mm -hmm. most people deal with something that Mm -hmm. stirs up a lot of feelings. Which is why a lot of people come to counseling because there's not a set rule book on this and people have to find it out for themselves what they need to work on once they come in, which one is lacking and which one is too big and which one is too small. So let's talk specifically about shame um, and just kind of come up with some ideas of what do we see with our clients Mm -hmm. minimizes shame so that they can start dealing with it in a healthy way. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about one thing that I try to have my clients do if they have a safe environment, if they have safe, non-judgmental people in their life, Mm -hmm. I say to them, then just say to them a disclaimer first. I want to tell you something, but I feel shameful about it. Mm -hmm. So I need you to hear me well and be comforting as I tell you this. And usually if people put that disclaimer on whatever they're going to say, the other person, if they are safe, <laughs> mm-hmm. can give them a really good response, and that can be very soothing. Right. And sometimes that's the way to begin to introduce to a person who has never been vulnerable, how do I do that with people so I can minimize my shame? Because I believe that when it's finally exposed mm-hmm. there's and there's light that shines on it, mm-hmm. there is some level of release that occurs. Right, which is why sometimes that takes a while if it's a person's first time in therapy yes. because they need to understand that if they say this to their therapist, their therapist won't shame them. And that's where they kind of learn to take that outside the office. So if you feel shamed by your therapist, maybe go to a different one. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I think the most common thing that people feel um, this minimizes their shame is when we're sitting in sessions with our clients and we say, oh, yeah, that's normal. Right. And they're like, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that may, and I'll and I'll make well that makes complete sense based on the childhood you came from and yeah. they're like what because no one has ever said 
they're normal. No mm-hmm. one has ever said that makes sense. Right. And so when we do that, that's why therapy becomes very powerful because immediately we're reducing the shame level that they were operating at. Right. Which enables them to go out and probably make stronger relationships and work on themselves. Because I feel like shame makes you almost scared of yourself. It's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I do. I mean, I like that phrase, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't like it. Right. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel good. I'm just always thinking about social media. That's what I'm thinking about. Um, but so what, what else makes people be able to move out of a shame cycle? Well, like you said, definitely find, I would say find and identify what safe relationships you do have mm-hmm. I think that's just a really big deal because a lot of us have safe and unsafe relationships but we have to take the time and see which ones are actually safe yes um because you can't be by yourself if you're working on these things but you also can't be with unsafe people as you're working on these things yes that's true otherwise you're just on a steady diet of toxicity. Right. And so you're never going to really be able to break out of a shame cycle if you have toxic shaming people in your life. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult. And so I think for a lot of people, one of the things that happens in the counseling process is they really begin to evaluate the safety of the people around them. Mm-hmm. Is this a safe spiritual system? Is this a safe friendship? Are these safe? relatives and how do we set the appropriate boundaries in each of these situations so that they cannot continue to cause shame in my life mm-hmm. I think there's that I think and you might hear this as a if you've been in therapy before working I try to work with some of my teens from like a strength-based mentality is reminding people of our strengths because everyone has them and so um and maybe sometimes that's rewording something where someone might say, oh, I failed my test. I'm so stupid. And I'm like, are you stupid or is math just hard? How are you doing in these other subjects? Like realizing you have other strengths aside from the one you're shaming yourself for. Because our brains, learning to teach our brains not to hyper-focus on the negative that maybe has been told to us or spoken over us. Maybe someone called you stupid. And redefining that, I think, is a big deal to work on shame that takes a while but yeah definitely um but it is the single largest factor that causes people to Mm self-sabotage um because if they are soothing themselves so much in a numbed out kind of way they're not going to be motivated to move towards Mm -hmm. let many goals so you know, we'll, we'll meet a lot of people who are addicts, but the the piece of the addiction is not the addiction. Mm-hmm. It's the shame that feeds the addiction. Right. Um, so, again, there's so many problems in society that just come back to shame. Mm-hmm. You know, and from a theological perspective, we would say that is the opposite of what people who follow Christ would believe. Right. That Christ did not shame them. Right. That, but instead he extended grace and forgiveness and all of those things that the religious society was not extending. Right. And listened and was present. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Not just judgmental or generalizing things. Right. So um, if you struggle with shame, we just encourage you to talk to a therapist mm -hmm. because you need to work on getting the three systems in line. Right. Your soothing system, your threat system, and your drive system in place. Because when all of those are in good working order mm -hmm. and neither of them are real small or real big, you can be really balanced. And right. I think that's even like body, soul, spirit mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. Um, all of those things are often very triune, even God triune, mm -hmm. right? So when it's all balanced in our lives, these things can, we can minimize shame in a lot of ways. Yep. Any closing comments or ideas? I don't think so. I feel like there's probably good shame books out there. I just don't know any personally, but I feel like it might be on more of the spiritual end of things. But yeah, I've seen a lot about, you know, like Lisa Tucker's mm -hmm. or a few other things. I think that we see the books out there and we'll provide a list for uh, people in, on the website when we post this. Mm -hmm. um, so when we finally post the podcast, we'll list that in our podcast. But I don't know a lot of shame books that are not on a religious basis. Yeah, I don't think so. I think if you do look up, though, articles on shame, you'll find some, like, psychological Absolutely. articles on, like, what shame does to your brain and body. Because, like, this is a very, very, very small synopsis. And we could probably do, like, part three, four, and five on, like, how it affects the brain. So if you want to come from it to understand more of a neurological standpoint, you could definitely Google, yeah. and if we find any good ones, we'll try and post them. But, like, if you just Google shame and how it affects the brain, you could probably find a good amount of information out there. Yeah. All right. Well, we were slightly unprepared with resources this time. <laughs> <laughs> but we will put it in our podcast when we do finally list it. Um, if you're interested in having either of us come and speak at one of your events, or if you'd like to find out more about counseling, contact us at wellspringsolutions.com. Have a great day. See ya. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringsolutions.com.